I'm Tony Tardio. Hello and welcome to Darren Hinch's That's Life podcast, a podcast where we talk about the big stories of the past, the big stories of today, through Hinch's six decades in the media. Darren Hinch, welcome to That's Life. Hello, mate. Uh, did you watch the tennis? I did indeed. I did indeed. I didn't watch the doubles, but I did watch Barty. Um, she intrigues me, and I've I said this like on, on, on television. She intrigues me because she's not a sensational player. She's not a flamboyant player, but when she starts to slice and dice, she just carves people up and gets the job done. I mean, she is Miss Efficiency. She's not huge like the Williams girls, you know. It doesn't no. seem to have that power. Uh... Well, at, at five foot four or five foot five, she has the best serve for a short person that I think I've ever seen on a tennis court. Um, but she just just gets it done, you know, and uh, it, it's extraordinary. I think people didn't realise, as I said, when you're down 5-1 in a final and she just came back and made it look like the other player was just standing there. It was just extraordinary. There's a wonderful photograph of her when she was uh, maybe eight and uh, she looked exactly the same as she does now, only she's just a tiny bit taller. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it, yeah. And she, she'd won some tournament, hadn't she? And had a little trophy in her hand. And that picture of her and the fact they sprung us with Yvonne Gulligong Corley to present was fantastic. And then afterwards we've got pictures now of her, Kathy Freeman and, and, and Yvonne. It's it's a great um, a great trio. Mm, and well, you mentioned Yvonne Goul Gulligong Corley. What a great champion she was. And it was great to see her, wasn't it? Yeah, it was indeed. It was indeed, and and the fact that it's the first time that a, that somebody's won in forty four years is extraordinary. I mean, it's our open, and we haven't had a female winner in forty four years. So, you know, I'm just so thrilled that she came through and she won it. Um, the sad news, of course, was that um, um, that, that Olcott, the Australian of the Year, which is great news, didn't win his final. But I can tell you now, it sounds like a Monday morning quarterback. I didn't think he would. I thought he's going to lose this because he's had such a packed three or four days, you know, in the middle of his training, he flies to Canberra, he does the Australian of the Year, he flies back, does umpteen interviews, he lost the first set narrowly and lost the second one six love. He was just exhausted. Yeah. We'll talk about Dylan Alcott a little bit uh, later on, but I, I just wanted to say I was so impressed with the speeches last night. I thought uh, mm -hmm. the loser, Daniel Collins, spoke beautifully and yes. uh, Ash Barty also spoke uh, beautifully. I mean, in the old days, you know, particularly Australians would get up and you get a couple of words out of them, but uh, I, this generation, they speak well. They'd always start with, yeah, no. <laughs> Yeah, no. Yeah, no. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> no, she, look, she, as an Indigenous person, she, she, she just does it so, everything so well. And the fact that we forget, she gave tennis away seven or eight years ago, took up cricket and started teaching, started tennis coaching. She thought she, she didn't have it in here anymore. And uh, I think it was a note from Serena Williams um, and support from Corley that got her back in, got her fired up uh, and, 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 She's, she's become, look, it's what we need. It was the COVID antidote that, that Australia needed, I can tell you. 
Yeah, and, and uh, it's, it's a great role model for girls for a start and yeah. uh, Indigenous people also that, uh, you know, if you put your head down and you work, uh, there are opportunities there for you to do things. And uh, and she's just the great mo- role model, isn't she? I mean, you, she never puts a foot well, wrong. You saw, you, saw, you saw no tantrums. You didn't see a Medvedev. You didn't see her shouting at the umpires. You didn't see her doing a curios and smashing her rackets into the ground. She just got out there and got the job done. Do you like tennis, Darren? Yeah, I used to play uh, quite a lot, actually. I remember being playing at Kuyong and having John Alexander thrash me. Um, <laughs> I, I, had a te- I had a tennis court. Uh, I had a tennis court at my farm. We used to have a, an annual a tournament there, and I, I enjoyed it immensely. I, I preferred playing doubles. I loved. I loved playing net, playing doubles because my reflexes were pretty good. Right. And well, if you can play, if you can play net and risk getting smacked in the bum or the back of the head by by your partner, it, it was worth the risk to 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 dive in at the net. Uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed that. Well, the doubles have become a bit sexy now with uh, Kyrgios and <laughs> Kokonakis yeah. uh, yeah, in action. K, yeah. yeah. What do you? Well, I didn't actually watch their match, uh, but uh, I didn't either. But they look. They they brought a, a sizzle to the game. I, there's some things that Kyrgios has done in the past and said in the past that I don't agree with 100. percent But they did bring the crowd in. They did uh, liven it. They did liven it up. That the tournament in the end didn't miss Djokovic at all. Uh, we saw some great tennis being played by a lot of people, um, and the fact that Aussies won the female singles and the uh, the, the, the male doubles was just um, absolute icing on the cake. It's become a big tournament, hasn't it? The the Australian yep. Open. I mean, I, I remember the argy bargy that was going on when they tried to move it from Kuyong to where they are now, and John Kane, uh, he had the foresight to, to realise that you really needed good facilities. But, but I yeah, think you know what? I, at I, that time... I was wrong. I was wrong. I attacked Kane over, over the money being spent on that stadium. And, and I'll admit now, I was totally wrong. It was a great idea of John Kane's. I mean, we, we like New York, they've got, they have their tennis courts for the US Open are very close to New York City. Um, to have such facilities we can get to by train or tram is just extraordinary. Mm. And uh, they've built on it uh, in the years following. Uh, so they've got a number of uh, different uh, venues there that uh, people can play indoors. Well, so. Every year they seem to be building new stuff yeah. there. It's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Dylan Alcott, you mentioned earlier, uh, Darren, um, he's uh, the Australian of the year. Uh, what great did you choice, think of that you know? choice? Oh, great choice. I, uh, I wasn't aware who the finalists were until about a day before. And I saw his name there and I thought, gee, I hope you win it. Um, I liked his comment. I didn't realise what it was. He said when he saw a ramp there, he thought, oh, I'm in with the chance. <laughs> yeah, well, see, you and I, who are able-bodied, we wouldn't even think about stuff like that. No. But uh, he, he would realise, you know, if I win, how am I going to get up there? And once he saw the ramp, he thought, oh, I may have won this. Look, I remember when I was at 3AW having a fight with management because we had no ramp for disabled people, people in wheelchairs, to get to the studio. And I remember down at Colditz Castle, down on the Trobe Street, and I was saying, we've got to get a ramp in here. We can't have this. And when we were in Bank Street, um, I had a producer who was on, on crutches. She had to literally, you know, stumble up three or four flights of stairs to get to the studio. And well, that, that's wrong. In the 70s and the 80s, 
you know, no, no one really thought about that sort of stuff. No. When, when they were building buildings or planning for them, they, they didn't plan disabled toilets or ramps or anything like that. Uh, do, you know, do you know, one of my, one of my heroines is, um, and I just admire her so much, and she's an author and uh, a lovely woman called Tara Moss, and she's disabled and, and she's a great writer. I and, met her. She, she came into AW, but she's she was, only yeah. recently become disabled. Yes, she, she has. Yes, yes, she has. Yes, and in the past few years. But she's so eloquent about it and she's so such a campaigner uh, for disabled people. She's in the news again a couple, few days ago when somebody stole her wheelchair cover and, and her, her wheelchair gloves and things. She's got them back, apparently, and the community found them and got them back for her. But she has amazing spirit. The same way, with, with, I mean, with, with Alcott, I was a bit embarrassed when he said, I love my disability. And I thought, some disabled people will find that hard to take. But I know what he was trying to say because he claims... You know, he, he admits he was suicidal when he was a kid and, and things, but it's it's brought him through him, brought him out as a person and brought parts of him out that he didn't know were there. And now he's probably, and as an Australian of the Year, he's the greatest advocate for um, for, for businesses, for boardrooms to get their, off their asses and say, yes, we have been neglectful, let's fix this. Yeah, and it should be fixed, and it is being fixed. Yeah. Look, I, I understood exactly what he was saying because uh, I have a friend who I haven't seen for a while, but uh, a couple of, well, many years ago, I emceed a function to raise money for the blind, and uh, this friend of mine is blind. Uh, he had a he had sight when he was born when but he had uh, issues a detached retina mm-hmm. and uh, when he was eight he walked through the doors of a of a supermarket and they closed on the side of his head oh and, geez. yeah and uh, in twenty four hours he lost his sight at the age I of eight crushed his head yeah and uh, he said the last thing he remembers seeing was his mum's face. And uh, he, he grew up in Broadmeadows, and the people of Broadmeadows, because of what happened to him, uh, raised money, sent him to a good school in the eastern suburbs. And uh, as a result of that, he did a, an arts degree at university. He has walked uh, Mount Kilimanjaro. He's done marathons. He's an amazing, amazing guy. And uh, one function that we were doing, I said to him, uh, you know, if you could go back to that uh, day where you walk through the doors and sort of just wait a couple of seconds and not be hit on the side of the head, what would you do? And he said, I'd, I'd do the same thing because being blind has given me opportunities I would never have had. My friend, he came into work yeah. once uh, with his guide dog, a beautiful golden retriever. And uh, uh, we went outside for uh, a walk and I just happened to say to him, oh, it was, it's nice that we've got some grass at the front of our building. And he said, oh, you got grass here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and then he gave his dog the command to go and do a wee or something. And I was astonished. I said, gee, he, he won't do anything until you give him the permission. He said, yeah, and, and these dogs can hold on for, they've been known to hold on for 19 hours on an aeroplane flight or something like that. Good Lord. And, and well, he, I, uh, Sorry? He, his dog also understands, like, if he says seat, he'll find him a seat. Uh, if he says bank, he'll find him a bank. I don't know how they teach these dogs. Uh, I mean, but he, he, this is what he said. That if he sell, gives him a certain word, he will know exactly where to take him. Well, 
I mean, the, the dogs that are rejected make great pets. You know, if you can get a rejected golden retriever from the from the Blind Institute, you know, it's it's they are great dogs. I was when I was living in Adelaide working on radio there, um, for the Blind Institute, they took me on a test with a they, they blindfolded me and put a guide dog in front of me, right? And we walked through the middle Rundle Mall, I think, in, in the main street of Adelaide, um, on a, in lunchtime, very busy time. And I couldn't see any, I was totally being led by this dog. And it would stop at, 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 at traffic lights and it would, then it would tug and off I'd go. And, you know, you, you're totally in the thrall and in the command of this dog. Mm. He isn't you're in command of him, but when, when he stopped, I stopped. When he walked, I walked. And it was quite an experience, I can tell you. Mm. It, would, it would be. Well, there you go. Right. Uh, uh, d- d- dogs, I love dogs. They're wonderful uh, beings, and uh, they certainly are a, a, a great friend, particularly if you... Uh, yeah, well, as, as Paul Keating once famously said in Pet Canberra, if you want a friend in Canberra, get a dog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Uh, well, let's right. talk this, about this is the issue of the day. Issue well, well, of the day. Grace Tame, Grace uh, Tame. and uh, and uh, Scott Morrison. Now, well, I'm interested to hear what you thought about what happened. Well, I, um, I I followed your tweets and I followed everybody else's tweets, and uh, my attitude at the moment is not very popular with my friends and staff. Uh, my initial reaction when I saw what she was doing, watching it live, was, "Oh, geez, that's that's rude. That's ignorant." I'm I'm a great believer, and even if you don't like the prime minister. You have respect for the office, and I always on air would always call him Mr. Prime Minister and whatever. And I thought you're in his place, so you should show some respect. I've changed my mind. I think she, what she did was quite was was right. I think she was gutsy. Uh, you have to remember that she was she's not a celebrity, or well, she is sort of now, but she wasn't then. She was a, a child abuse victim by a teacher. She was then abused by the courts as well. She fought like crazy and finally got the right. Uh, to, to be herself, um, I think it took a lot of guts for her to get up there and do what she did. I, I know it's not a popular stand by some people, and, and including um, women staffers of mine who think, Darren, you are wrong on this. She, she, is, you know, she, was, she was rude, she was ignorant, she was childish, but I think it took a lot of guts for her to do that. I, I, my initial reaction was when she walked up with a hand in a pocket. I have a thing against men and women having hands in pockets. I think it's insulting. Um, I remember seeing James Packer once meet his Hollywood girlfriend and she's kissing him and he's got both his hands in his pockets. So I thought, how arrogant is that, you know? Look, I'm sure it took a lot of guts, but I don't think that's the point. I think the point is that uh, the Prime Minister is the Prime Minister of Australia. Now, imagine if a world leader had done what she did. I mean, she's not just now a person, Joe Blow from the suburbs or, you know, Wendy Blow from the suburbs. She's Australian of the year. You do have to show respect. And two quick things here. One, she did show respect, believe it or not, and I've watched it 20 times, to, um, to Mrs. Morrison. Um, the gen, she she nodded and smiled at her. Well, I smiling. would so, argue against that too. I would say, would yeah, it wasn't warm, it wasn't sweet, it wasn't. Uh, it was just doing what you have to do. Now, Mrs. Morrison right. has nothing to do with the decisions no, taken okay. by her husband. That is true. But I, I think she did acknowledge her properly. Now, I will disagree on that. Two other things. I've since then seen a photo of. President Trump smiling with the Pope. The Pope is not smiling. He's standing like he wish he wasn't there. 
Yes, I, I remember that moment. And uh, now, the, uh, also, just, Justice Kenneth Hayne, that famous time when he was presenting a report to Josh Frydenberg, the treasurer, and it was meant to be a photo op, and uh, he didn't like it. And the, the photographers yelled out, "Hey, shake hands!" And he just said, "Nope." And he didn't smile. He didn't shake hands. And nobody criticised him for being rude to the federal treasurer. Yeah, but uh, look. <laughs> I, I, I think she knew exactly what she was doing. Oh, I agree. I agree. And she took, she took it as a political stance. And, yeah, I, I don't deny that at all. But I've come to the conclusion now that she was entitled to. Um, she, and, and, and the other thing I'd say too, Darren, is um, she, has uni she had universal support. How could you not, given what she went through? Yep. Um, but doing that has upset people. Oh, yeah, she's Needless. lost a lot of women's support. Yeah. yeah. Why, why would you do that? What, what, she, what, what, she believes in the cause. I mean, do you got to keep this in mind? In the middle of all this, with Brittany Higgins, etc., ScoMo didn't handle it very well and on many, on many occasions. When he said, I know what he's trying to say, but he said, oh, I went home and talked to Jen about this and she said, think of your daughters. Now, you know, should know that alleged rape is rape or sexual assault, sexual assault. Whether you've got, I, I don't have kids, but I know, know what's right and what's wrong. And I thought it was very clumsy and, 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 and badly handled by the Prime Minister. People I know say the same thing that, uh, that, that you say, but do you really think the Prime Minister is a misogynist? Uh, no, I don't. Because no, I, I don't, don't. I don't. Did, did, I, some people I, I, say, I "Oh, he's 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 a gross person. He's uh, no. you know, Mister Marketing, all that." So I, I actually can't see that. No, it's a very fair point because I've got friends, close friends, who despise Scott Morrison, and they use all the arguments that you just did. Then he's a misogynist. He's a racist. He's this. He's that. He's a phony. He only supports the football team because he wants to come across as a nice bloke. I, I actually think that Morrison. He's probably a very decent family man. And, and this rubbish they say, oh, I saw some of the critics said, oh, it's, it, she didn't insult him in, her, in his home. It's not his home. Kirribilli House is the home of the Prime Minister. Whether he lives there 24 hours a day or seven days a week is immaterial. That is the home of the Prime Minister. The Lodge is the home of the Prime Minister in Canberra when he's there. Um, it, and I think it's specious for people, and these are supporters of hers, saying she didn't insult him in his home. She insulted the Prime Minister deliberately. I'll grant all of that. But my argument is that she did it for the right reasons and with sincere passion. And the other thing I hear people say is, oh, well, she's true to her feelings. She's being honest. You know, she's not being two-faced. She's not pretending. Well, well, look, people pretend all the time. When, when, yeah, but you don't have to. You don't uh, have well, to. Well, well let, me put it, let me put this to you, Darren. Later this year, we are going to have an election. It's going to be between Scott Morrison and Anthony Albanese. Now, the loser is going to be pissed off. Now, he has to pretend that he's not pissed off and that he is gracious in defeat, even though when, you know, apparently Hillary Clinton was yelling and screaming and breaking glasses. We I, I, think she was, I think she was a bit pissed. That's why she didn't turn up that night. At we, all, we, pretend, we pretend all the time. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, look, um, um, remember, Malcolm Turnbull, who is a very urbane man, he didn't turn up for hours and hours when it looked like it was going to be, he might lose or it was going to be close. Remember that one? Mm, I do, he, yeah. he didn't And he was criticised for that. And he was attacked for that. Yeah, we, we do have a standard. That is true. And I, I've lived by it um, all the time. I mean, I said to you earlier, 
whenever I'm on here with the Prime Minister, even whether he's a friend or foe, I'd always say Mr. Prime Minister this or Mr. Prime Minister that, and I'd give the office the credit, if not the person. But in her case, I've, I have changed my mind. I know it's an unpopular view to a lot of people, and surprisingly to me, to a lot of women. Well, I would say that you know, if, if it was something that happened spontaneously because uh, we, everyone gets angry or gets upset or whatever, but if it's something that's it was, planned... This, this was planned. This yeah, was planned which, from which, the hand in the pocket to the side glance to everything. Yes. It was planned. Yeah, no, yeah. But well, she, people, the theory I got from friends, well, she shouldn't have turned up. If she hadn't have turned up, it would have insulted all the nominees for this year's Australian of the Year. I think that would have been wrong too. Well, I think she, 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 she did the right thing by turning up, but she should have been at least, you know... Civil. 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 That's what we would expect from uh, a leader... Uh, you know, when you get two leaders together and they don't like each other, you know, you, you might do a little sort of hint just to give, but but you, it, it, the overall impression should be that you're going to be civil with each other. This is how we want our leader. I but want think back, our leaders think back to be. Back to that picture that we both saw, the Pope standing there with Donald Trump, thinking, "I don't like this man. <laughs> I don't want to be here. What the hell am I doing here?" You know, and the look on his face was classic. You know. Yeah, well, I, I, I remember that, uh, that that meeting. I mean, you, you think back, too, in uh, political meetings of, of the past, uh, uh, you know, when, when, when two leaders come together, even if they don't like each other, they, they are always civil. I, I can't think of any leader where they've, they've even punched each other or uh, been outwardly rude to each other. I mean, can you can you think of any situation like that? No, no the closest it comes in recent years is, um, is Macron saying... I don't think I know. I mean, that was one of the toughest. Well, that was that they were just words, yeah. But yeah. Uh, when he met Scott Morrison, you know, they would have shaken hands. Even, they, they would have shaken hands. Yeah. Even Tony yeah, Abbott a, was going to shirt front. Was going to shirt front uh, Vladimir Putin, but I think when they actually met, there was, there was no shirt fronting or anything like no, that. that, that that's, that's, a, that's a very fair point. All right, we'll, we'll, we'll agree to disagree. Well, on, well on what made you change your we, mind we is what, I, what, what I'm interested uh, be, in. Okay, because I think. She she feels the cause with such a passion and doesn't feel I'm make putting words in her mouth now, but she doesn't feel that Scomo has done enough for women despite his wording and despite what he said. And that thing about when I talked to Jen about teenage girls, I think that would have cut to a lot cut a lot of women to the quick. Um, and but my immediate reaction was exactly the same as yours. Well, that's that's disrespectful to the office of the prime minister. I did think that, but uh, I have I have come around. Because respect is a big thing, really. I, I, I mean, uh, you know, and disrespect. And also, yeah, and, and self-respect is a big thing. And and I'll grant you, to a lot of people, she didn't show herself self-respect by the way she behaved in front of the PM, you know. But I'll grant you one thing. she It wasn't spontaneous. She knew exactly what she was doing. It was planned from, from minute one. The, the the appointment of these uh, Australians of the Year it used to be, I think John Farnham was Australian of the Year mm -hmm. on one occasion. I remember you you're saying that uh, Jackie... Uh, was Jackie Pillow talked. He almost wasn't Australian of the Year because they picked him as the Australian of the Year in the bicentennial of all things. And she was on the committee, selection committee. And she, and she told you. She whispered to me and swore me to secrecy. And I said, well... I'm glad you told me, but maybe you should just check. From my memory, and I know John very well, I don't think he's an Australian citizen. And he wasn't. <laughs> and Glenn Wheatley and the government had the fastest citizenship 
um, swearing in of all time because four days before it's announced that he's an Australian of the Year, John Farnham was a pom. Yeah, so he was a singer, though, John Farnham, so it yeah. wasn't a controversial decision. It was, but, but since Rosie Batty, they've become political sort of uh, statements well, well, in a way. They have, but they see, for years, though, it was always bloody cricketers or sportsmen or whatever. You know? Well, somebody who's that, done that, something big. I mean, I could imagine Ash Barty being an Australian of the Year at, yeah, at, be at very, some Yeah, she'd be a stage. very good one. She'd be a very good one. Yeah. So, but but in the in recent years we've had you know th- th- violence against uh, women, which is Rosie Batty or fa- family yeah, violence. Well, yeah, yeah, so. way back we had, we had Flannery on climate change. Remember? Yeah. Well, even yeah, back he, further he, then, yeah, that's right. Uh, that they, they were political statements being made by the committee about who yeah. they pick. Is yeah. the point well, I'm trying one, to make? One thing we should point out: people kept saying, "Oh, see, bloody Morrison and Australian Year." He doesn't nominate them. He doesn't pick them. He has nothing to do with it. The prime minister has nothing to do. With it. It's a, commit- a committee that um, selects one person. Yeah, and, and nor should the prime minister have anything to do with it because he's a yeah, politician agreed. and he would make a political decision yeah. as and, well. And in and, and, and the old days, you didn't have a, a selection of like. 11 or 12 people to choose from, or 10, it was um, the committee just had people um, uh, nominate and they, they picked one person. By the way, we yeah, had... I mean, when, sorry, when Farnham became Australian of the Year, there's, there's no list of, 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 of other possible winners. It was just announced as he being the winner. Yeah. 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 I, I don't mind that, actually, because, you know, you, you've got all these other people on the list, they go to Canberra and then they lose. <laughs> you know, and, and, and all along, yeah. everyone knew who was going to... The committee knew who the winner was going to be. Yeah, they um, built a ramp. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. The uh, the Australia Day Honours, uh, we've talked about mm. this before, the AOs and the BOs and the COs and whatever. Uh, I, I don't think they cut through, you know. You know, when someone gets a knighthood, I'm, I'm not saying we should go back to knighthoods, but oh, we, no. we need to make clear what the biggest honour is... Uh, it's like, you know, having Omicron or having uh, virus one, two, three, four, five, six. You don't remember the number, but you remember Omicron. So when you get an AO, an EO, a BO, a CO, a DO, it doesn't mean anything. An officer of or a member of, uh, it is a bit quaint, uh, but I, I would never go back to the knighthood. I mean, when, when Tony, <laughs> when when uh, the, the Prime Minister gave the, the, the knighthood to Prince Philip was... People just reacted like that can't be right. He must be mad, you know. Um, look, I, I I think it's a great idea. I think it's encouraging a more women are now winning uh, the awards or being presented with the awards, and more more local people are getting it. Uh, I used to get annoyed that that military people got got all these awards, but they're just doing their job, and that the businessmen were getting awards for what making money. Um, you know, it's, it's, I'm not biased because um, I've got a criminal record, so I doubt I'll ever get. Uh, an Australian award, an AO or an MO or whatever they are. Uh, I, I, think, I, I, think uh, I, I think we put your name forward at one stage because uh, oh, Dave, David Mann was... Uh, uh, is that right? Yeah, oh, yeah. Anyway, well, the thing is, that, no, I think with my criminal background, that would, that would preclude me from getting anything. I mean, they should sometimes think of taking them away. I mean, you've got to remember at the moment in the news... I'll be a bit careful because court cases going on, but Andrew O'Keefe has an, an Australian award um, for his services to domestic violence, and now he's been in court several times. Um, the idea of taking stripping people of their awards, I think, is good. Like, like happened to um, you know, to um, 
several people over the years that they've lost their awards. Mm. Well, cr cricket is uh, Rolf Ro 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 Harris. I think he lost his. You know, as he should. Mm. As he should. Mm. Mm. What's wrong well, with giving? Sorry. What's wrong with giving out, say, a knighthood that is an Australian knighthood? You know, it doesn't have to be oh. bestowed by the Queen, but but when someone gets an AO, they they become a a knight of the Australian government. What what's wrong? Oh, what's, I, what? I just okay, that's a fair point, but is it a bit quaint to call somebody Sir? Sir so-and-so, I think, or dame so-and-so. Well, mean, it's giving it's respect to somebody who's earned it or, you know, supposedly earned it. Uh, in the old yeah. days, they used to buy them, didn't they? You know, they yes. give well, them out. Yeah, I mean, Askin was Premier of New South Wales and he used to sell them. And he, I remember just telling one, um, I think for $60,000, he owed him a gambling debt and he gave it to, yeah. quote, Sir Arthur George, you know, and uh, um, he, he, he certainly... Um, Traded uh, traded knighthoods for <laughs> for gambling debts. He used to play up in King's Cross. You know. Now, now we should tell people that we've done this podcast under slightly trying circumstances because you were given a present uh, by somebody. <laughs> hey, uh, just I, explain what's what's been hey, happening. I'm, I'm technologically dyslexic. I, I accept that. All right. Um, I was given this wonderful Christmas gift by my goddaughter Ellie, um, and it's a a new fantastic. Like a, like a, sound system right it's it's like a a giant candle that sits in the middle of your table and it plays it's connected to your phone and uh you hit a button on spotify or whatever it is and it plays the most beautiful loud music right but something was going wrong with mine i think probably i hadn't hadn't charged it up enough but i'd start to play john farnham and then a voice would come in and say and give the name of the the singer and then the music would stop in the middle of our broadcast today, our recording, it suddenly, I was charging up in my kitchen, it suddenly went off like crazy. I don't know how to stop it or turn it off. So I took it into my bedroom, threw it under a couple of pillows and shut the door. Um, then I get out here and I still hear the bloody music playing, you know? I think it was um, Sonny and Cher and I've Got You Babe was still blaring out in my ear. I didn't realize it also comes through your phone, which is in my pocket. <laughs> so, so I've now I've turned, I've turned my phone off I put it back in the bedroom under two pillows and shut the door. <laughs> so so it's, that's, that's, it's still playing, but we're, we're not hearing yes, it. You can't hear it. It's still going off on my bedroom, so maybe the neighbours can uh, hear see, it. You see, that tells me all about technology. It's magnificent, but it's so bloody complicated. It's like computers yeah, well, I, when they don't I, I work. Couldn't find, I couldn't find an off button, you know, and I, I think all I do is just – and there's no plug to pull out, so that's what I normally do is pull the plug out. There's no plug to pull out, and it's just – Sunny and Cher are just going away there. As they, as well, they do. I hope you finally work out how to switch it off. Otherwise, you're going to have a difficult day. Oh, listen, uh, speaking of Sunny and Cher, there was a great thing recently for a special on Betty White, the animal activist and the comedian and the actor. And they did a special and they got Cher to come in and sing the theme song from, from uh, Golden Girls, you know, You've Got a Friend, mm. what it was called. And it was just, it was so touching. It was really lovely. So... There we are. So we, we start with, with the three Aussies who are fantastic and a great gesture with uh, Ash Barty and Yvonne Goulagong and, uh, you know, and Kathy Freeman and we end with, with Cher singing the theme song from Friends. So we've and covered you, the waterfront. And, and you're not being able to turn, turn your technology off. Yeah. Mr. Hinch, uh, we'll talk next week. Talk soon.